What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wildlife Control Podcast. My name is Kyle Waltz. I wanted to talk today about getting a different perspective on your business and how changing that perspective can help you grow that business. Most of us that are running wildlife control businesses are probably not independently wealthy. And for me, I mean, I love the industry. I love wildlife control and that's why I do it. But I also do it because I'm not independently wealthy. I do not come from money. I do not have a giant trust fund with my name on it when I hit a certain age. And in order for me to live my life to my fullest potential, I have to go out and work. And so this business thing of running a wildlife control business can really, really benefit you if you do it the right way. And there's obviously a lot of different ways to do it. But one strategy that I found is is very productive and uh, can speed up that process and growth in a secure way is by looking at your business, how a general partner of a a private equity firm looks at a business. So if you're not familiar with private equity, basically what it consists of is there's a fund. In that fund, you have investors that put money in the fund. Those investors are considered limited partners. And then you have the guys and girls that are running the fund and deploying that capital into assets those individuals are considered general partners. So they're taking that money, they're putting it into an asset, and their intention is to drive up the value of the asset. So what does that have to do with wildlife control? What has a lot to do with wildlife control, especially if you're thinking about growing exponentially. We all know there's a lot of different ways to grow, but one of the ways that you can grow is through acquisition. And whenever I think about growing my business, I always look at what are the leaders in business doing to growing businesses? And what is it that they are doing that I am not doing? So years ago, if you've listened to me over the years, years ago, I had uh, some attention brought to me by one of the national pest control firms. And it was something I didn't really think a whole lot of. They gave me an offer. We were very small. We were only doing a few hundred thousand dollars a year in revenue. And the offer was not very appealing to me. And I ended up passing up the offer. So you should know, though, that private equity and acquisitions do play a part in wildlife control. We don't hear about a lot of it, but there is quite a bit of it going on behind the scenes. Some of these situations are not publicly addressed and you would never really know about it. And there's many others that are very public. So our our sister service industry and pest control, those companies that, you know, a lot of them will do wildlife control, but most of them don't. There's a there's definitely a lot of MA, mergers and acquisition activity happening. And a lot of that is driven by private equity. So they are certainly involved in wildlife control. Now, to my knowledge, there's not any pure play wildlife control businesses out there that are backed by private equity. 
But here, here's a little bit of information that you guys may not be aware of. So Terminex, we all know who Terminex is. Uh, years ago, they were acquired by Clayton Dublier and Rice. And at the time, Terminex was public. So they were publicly tra- traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Clayton Dublier and Rice took Terminex private. The reason that you would take a company public to private to my own knowledge, I might be screwing this up, but uh, to my knowledge, they're taking them private because they can do a lot of things behind the scenes that the public eye can't see. So they can break some stuff. They can they can destroy some revenue. They can destroy some profit margins. They can load it up with debt. And then they can make it a lot prettier business. So look at it this way. It's like buying a piece of real estate, taking out all the old cabinets, making it look like crap, you got nothing, and then they they build it back up again. So they're making the business lean and mean, and then they build it back up. And then, seven years later, Clayton Dubley and Rice took Terminex public again and earned the giant profit. Obviously, Rollins, they're publicly traded. Rollins acquired Critter Control and True Tech. Um, so that was two pretty substantial acquisitions that they did. So obviously Rollins saw value in, in acquiring wildlife control companies and has since purchased multiple critter control franchisees. Uh, Certus, which is a private equity-backed pest control company, they're backed by a company called Imperial Capital Group based out of Canada. I'm not sure where in Canada. Uh, Greenix, they're a pest control firm. They're backed by Riata Capital Group, again, private equity. Anti-CMEX, a giant coming into the U.S., uh, they've done a lot of acquisitions. They're backed by a firm called EQT Partners, uh, based out of Europe. Pest Masters, which is a national franchisor pest control company, they were just recently acquired by Riverside Company, private equity company. Uh, Environmental Pest Service. I had Andrew Barrows on here a while back talking about mergers and acquisitions, and EPS was backed by a private equity firm which was essentially one family putting money into a fund called Concentric Equity Partners, which was then turned around and acquired by Renekill, a large uh, pest control firm. Does about $4 billion a year worldwide. So you have a lot of activity. Uh, Plunkett's, they're a family-owned, super big uh, pest control firm. Uh, they acquired Varmint Guard. A while back, and Varmint Guard has since done several acquisitions, so they're seeing value in doing acquisitions. My own companies, uh, First Coast Wildlife and Expel, sold those to McCall Service. Twelve months later, after McCall buys me out, Rollins acquires McCall. Lots of stuff going on. What does all this mean? How can you benefit from this? What is it that you can do? So whether you're trying to sell your business or not doesn't really matter. We're all trying to make a good living and you wouldn't be listening to this if you weren't trying to grow. So how can you benefit from all of this? How are these other companies benefiting from mergers and acquisitions? Um, and I only know from personal experience because I've been involved in several situations. We've done acquisitions, we've sold businesses There's a lot of different ways to look at it. So one way to look at it is a thing called arbitrage. 
And I'm going to read this definition so I don't screw anything up. Arbitrage is a strategy of taking advantage of price differences in different markets for the same asset. For it to take place, there must be a situation of at least two equivalent assets with differing prices. In essence, arbitrage is a situation where a trader can profit from the imbalance of asset prices in different markets. The simplest form of arbitrage is purchasing an asset in the market where the price is lower and simultaneously selling the asset in the market where the asset's price is higher. So this is the most obvious when a publicly traded company acquires a private company. So, for example, when Terminex, Renekill, Rollins, when these guys buy a company that is private, it has a specific value based off of the private markets. And when they buy that and it becomes a publicly traded company, they're getting a great return on that same asset. And that's why they would do that. It grows their top line and it grows their bottom line and it helps the business out tremendously. They have to grow. And these companies are dependent on acquisitions in order to grow. The other way to look at it is capabilities. You know, I'm not saying that pest control is easy, but I will say that doing wildlife control, because I've done both, uh, is a lot more complicated. There's a lot more varying factors in it than pest control. It also takes a different type of person that is not afraid to get up on roofs and high ladders and um, climb around in crawl spaces and attics, getting critters. It, it takes a, a different type of individual. A lot of guys that might be really good at pest control, going around doing exterior perimeter treatment or doing a lawn treatment might not be very good at wildlife control. Now, there are a lot of one-man to five-man or ten-man operations across the U.S. You own one of them. And a lot of those companies are not charging enough. So you have a business and you're making a good living. You know, Maybe you're making six figures or more. You've got a few employees, you got a few trucks, and you're not charging enough. So somebody like me comes along and looks at your business and identifies that you're a profitable company, but you could be way more profitable. And I know that if I were to come in and roll out my services, roll out my prices, you know, remember, these are one-time services that I'm, that I'm thinking about. I'm not talking about recurring. But if I roll out my systems, my prices, my services, and I, I teach your crew, or I put, put one hot salesperson or several hot salespeople in that market, I know that I'm going to be able to take that business and multiply the revenue and the profit immediately. So... You know, I might look at a $100,000 business and realize under our systems that business is not a $100,000 a year business. It's a $500,000 a year business because your prices are far lower than ours. Very simple process. 
So we go into due diligence. We get your price sheet, if you have one, hopefully you do. We look at what your average sale is per customer. And for example, if we're already in your market and our average sale is 2,500 and your average sale is, I don't know, 1250, we know that we can double the revenue. So hey, we go into, we, we value your company. So your company has a certain value at any given time. And we're going to value your company off of your last 12 months revenue and profit. So hey, what is the revenue for your company the last 12 months? What is your profit? We're going to dive in deep into your expenses. We're going to ask you a million questions. And what we're going to do is we're going to take that P&L that you give us over the past 12 months and we're going to update it to what it would look like under our management if we did not change the pricing. So if we didn't change the pricing, let's just assume we kept the pricing. We're going to value the company based off of us keeping your pricing. Knowing day one, or very quickly, we're going to offer new pricing. Your revenue is going to be higher. Your profit's going to be higher. You know, At the end of the day, we're making a bet. It's one-time service business. A lot can go wrong. So we have to think about risk and what the worst case scenario is. So we're going to value it based off of worst case scenario, not best case scenario, because best case scenario is extremely risky. And we could end up uh, not making what we want to make off of the deal. So we go into your business, we pull out the expenses that we are not going to have. So certain things that we know just aren't going to be there. A lot of you are overpaying for your insurance. We're going to be able to knock that down. Uh, A lot of you might be overpaying for leads. We're going to knock that down. And we're going to show that business how to operate a very high ticket per customer business um, and roll out additional services. So it's going to drive the, the prices up per customer. And then just like simple items like trapping prices, exclusion prices, those prices are going to go up as well. And it's not like we're charging anything ridiculous. We're just charging what we think the prices should be. And in most cases, this is what the national companies are charging. So if Rollins, Critter Control, True Tech, Terminex, Orkin, if all these big boys, let's say they're charging... $100 to repair a certain item on your house, most likely we're going to be really close to that. Maybe we're 90, maybe we're 105. We're going to be really, really close to that. And if you're charging 45 and we're charging 90 for that item, well, that doubles the price. So going back to your P&L, we're going to value your company based off of your current financials. So what are your current financials? We're going we're gonna to value it based off of that. And we're not going to pay more than three times your profit. That is the maximum amount we're going to pay. Now, our intention when we do an acquisition is to get our money back as fast as possible. To, to make it all work for us to where we're cash flowing day one. And basically... We could go in and buy a $100,000 asset, roll out all of our prices and systems and services, and now that that business that we paid, let's say we paid 
$60,000, for a $100,000 a year business. We go in, we hire some more people, we get them trained. You know, there's going to be a ramp up period where it's going to be a little bit unpredictable. We might have to ship a couple of our technicians from other areas in there to do the work for a little bit. And before you know it, two, three, four months later, that business that was doing $100,000 a year without buying more leads, without paying for more advertising, by using that current digital footprint that you have for your business that's that's generating the leads, it goes from a $100,000 a year revenue business to a half a million dollar a year business, which, you know, that's nothing huge. But if we're bolting that on to our existing business, we now spent $60,000 for a business, let's say it's turning a $20,000 or excuse me, a 20% uh, profit margin. So that's $100,000 a year profit, 246800. Yeah, that's right. So 20,000, uh, excuse me, $100,000 a year profit margin. And let's say we can sell it for three times, which is very reasonable. Not, not that we're trying to sell it, but the idea is to increase the value of the asset. So now the value of the asset that we paid sixty thousand for is now worth three hundred thousand or more five hundred thousand a million. So this is what a lot of these private equity firms are doing. So that's the first thing that you got to realize if you're a general partner of a private equity firm, that's what you're looking for. You're looking for a target, so a business that we can acquire and basically increase the value of that business as quickly as possible. Now, what the private equity is trying to do, they're going to hold on to that asset five, seven, 10 years, and then they're going to sell it. So they're going to buy it, uh, gut it, clean it up, increase the margins, increase the revenue, make it more efficient, make it more lean, and then they're going to flip it and make a profit. So that's what they're doing. Pay back their investors. You know, They get a little piece of the pie. Tons of money going into private equity right now. Just read a couple of books. Highly recommend. Um, I've read this one book twice. Highly recommend that you read it. It's called The Masters of Private Equity and Venture Capital. Talks about a lot of the top private equity and venture capital firms out there. It will open up your eyes. Another one that I just read about uh, Blackstone, which is very interesting. Uh, Blackstone is one of the very few large publicly traded private equity firms. And it it talks about its CEO um, and basically how they transformed that business over the years. And that business um, has more than 649 billion assets under, under management. So they got a little bit of money to play with. The book is called King of Capital. It's a great book. Highly recommend it. Uh, I like to do the Audible version. I drive around a lot or just while I'm working. I can kind of have that in the background. So I'm, I'm killing two birds with one stone. It's a really interesting book. But if you're not taking advantage of acquisitions right now, if you're a wildlife control company, uh, you sh- certainly should consider it. Um, it's it's a good skill set to learn that you could pretty much use in any in- any industry. 
And it's a, it's a good way to grow really, really quickly. So this year we've done three and we've got quite a bit of work to do to get all three where we want them to go. Um, but the, the main thing is for our business and for those businesses that we acquired, we jacked up that revenue really, really quickly. And we jacked up their profits really, really quickly. And it's amazing that, you know, you tweak a few things and you can really increase the value of that asset. So one thing that we've found in, in all of these, actually, I would say two out of the three. Um, the first thing is that we saw, and, and this goes with most companies that we've looked at. So first of all, you should know out of the three acquisitions that we've done, we probably looked at over 20 different businesses. So this is a very time-consuming process if you want to actually go out and do this sort of thing. I don't recommend that you go out and do any acquisitions, just like I wouldn't recommend that you go out and open up another location until you got a super solid foundation. And, and when I say foundation, I'm, con- I'm considering you should have enough revenue and profit to support a team. So you, you already have a business that's kicking off at least a million dollars of revenue. You're kicking off $200,000, $300,000 a year in profit. You have a full-time manager. You have salespeople. You have technicians. You have administrative support. And you're still making two dollars $300,000 in profits. Now you can take that cash and use it, put it to work. Because if it's just sitting in the bank, it's dead. So obviously you're buying trucks with it and you're doing whatever else with it. So once you have that foundation built, this is really who I'm talking to here. If you're just a one-man operator right now, you probably don't want to go out and do a deal. Um, although you could. You definitely could in, in your own market. Um, especially if there's already a manager and, and there's already enough in place there. But if it's just a small little business, like what I'm talking about, a, a one, two, three-man show, it, it might be a bit much for you to take on. Again, doesn't mean you couldn't do it. Just get ready to work a lot of hours. So for those of you who do have a solid foundation, you have the people behind you to support you, you can literally go out and learn how to do this. You can go get a... Uh, business attorney to help you with asset purchase agreements, um, how to structure the entities correctly to decrease your risk. You can go talk to an uh, accountant to help you with how the deductions work when you buy an asset like that. It's a lot of work transferring the vehicles over, the employees, getting everything in place. It, it takes a lot of work. So that's why you have to have a team. Because if you don't have a team that's running your main thing, there's just no way you're going to have enough time in the day to go out and do this sort of thing. So you know, we looked at over 20 businesses to do three deals. So that, if that tells you anything. A lot of them we looked at, we actually put offers on and they said no. Um, so, hey, you know, it's not, not everybody's going to take the bait, but there's a lot of people that will, and you have to consider this. This is kind of what we realized. Business is hard. It's really hard to run a business in wildlife control. It, it can be 
it can be very time consuming. You know, we're getting calls from people seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And if you let it take a hold of you, you will be working seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And there's just not a lot of free time. So eventually you get burned out or you just want to go do something else. Or maybe you're ready to retire. You know, there's a lot of people in our industry that are 50 plus running their businesses. And if they're just a one to five man operation, there's there's not a lot of options out there for those people. So they can either shut down their business and then just sell everything that they have on eBay, uh, sell the trucks one off at a time, sell their traps, sell their tools, sell their ladders. You know, they can they can make some money off of their business doing that. Very time consuming. Um, or they can go out and try to find an acquirer. Not a lot of companies out there buying small wildlife control businesses. Now, if you're a million dollars plus, there's definitely a lot of options. If you're less than a million dollars in revenue, you probably don't have a lot of options. So, you know, fortunately, we are one of those options. But the reality is, if you're trying to grow right now, there are a lot of guys out there that will want to retire in the next five to 10 years. Um, there's a lot of guys that maybe they don't want to retire. Maybe they're younger, but they've just had enough. And it might just be, they're just not the right kind of person to run a business They're They just don't have the entrepreneurial, uh, grit to get through the tough times and ride the roller coaster. So those people, a lot of them throw in the towel and they just give up. And they have this asset that's kicking off cash, and they end up just shutting it down and, and walking away with nothing. So that exists as well. And then you have uh, guys that have situations, which we've actually run into two of these this year. In, in two situations, we took over businesses that basically had to go because the owner had to move. The, the wife was moving to a different state, for a career choice. And that career choice was greater than what the seller's uh, profit was in the business. And the best scenario was to move to where the wife is. Obviously, you're in love with your wife, you want to go where she is. And you don't want to hire anybody and manage the business from afar, which has its own set of difficulties, but it can be done. You just don't want to deal with that you know, you have to sell the business. Hey, I'm moving. I have this other opportunity. I need to, you know, get rid of this thing. So you have these situations that come up and these guys don't have a lot of people to turn to. So with that being said, if you're trying to grow your business, that is a huge opportunity for you to take advantage of. This is why it's really important to build relationships with your competitors you know, we can all get along. I don't see why we need to be so shady to each other sometimes. But the reality is there's, there's definitely a lot of opportunities out there for growing your business through acquisition. A lot of people have said that there's not a lot of value in buying a wildlife control company. And although I agree, there is some value. There is something there that is worth something. So what I like to look at that I think really makes sense is, does this company have a current digital footprint? So do they have 
organic lead generation in place. So if this company is not paying for lead generation and they're not paying for advertising, they're not paying for marketing, well, that's highly beneficial. Um, because if, if I know that those leads are going to s- still remain consistent, there's certainly a value there. I mean, that certainly beats paying for marketing and advertising. Like, for instance, let's say that business is kicking 100, 100 unique leads a month. What does that cost if you go buy it? If you go buy 100 leads a month, depending on where you're getting them, let's say you go through Google, you're probably going to be spending about two grand a month. So that's $24,000 a year for 100 leads a month. So if you buy this business and you can make the financing work to where your financing might only be a few thousand dollars a month, after you pay that off, you now don't have to pay for any any financing. The business is paid for. It's going to increase your profit. And now you have continued lead generation coming into that business. So good reviews, good reputation. What does that mean for me? Referrals. If you did a good job, you're going to have referrals coming in. We know that. We also like to find businesses that aren't offering all of our services. So for instance, you don't do gutter guards, you don't do gutter cleaning, you don't do insulation, you don't do attic cleanups, you're not doing attic treatments, enzyme, fungicide treatments in the attic. Um, You're not offering warranty renewals. You're not doing pest control. We all can look at that and say, well, those leads, again, we go back to the average ticket per customer. So if I take your revenue and I I divide it into how many sales you had, I'm going to get your average sale per customer. And if I know that my average sale is 2,500, 3,500, depending on the market, the type of customer I'm selling to, I know that by when I when I offer those other services, it's going to immediately increase your revenue. And now I just paid X for a business that now is actually worth a lot more under our management. So there, there's that theory of it as well. And as your company grows, one thing that happens is once you get to a certain point and, and being a wildlife control company, the rarer your business is, the more attractive it's going to be to a potential buyer in the future. So look, I'm not trying to retire anytime soon. I'm 34 years old. But let's say when I'm 55 years old, I'm ready to exit. And my business is doing $30 million, $20 million a year. I'm earning a great living. That is a rare wildlife control company. There are not a lot of $20 million wildlife control businesses. I guarantee you someone will want that business. It's going to be a larger acquirer. It could be a national pest control company. It could be private equity. But what happens is because you're you're going to be attracting those larger buyers, you can sell your company for a lot more. The, The multiple goes up. So let's say you have a $20 million a year wildlife control company and it's kicking $4 million a year in profit. 
based off of valuations that we have had done to our business by professional investment bankers that work specifically in the pest control industry, they would value a pure play wildlife control company with a small amount of recurring services, 20-30%, at about eight times your, your profit. So a $4 million a year profit, I might be able to sell that business for $30 million or more. Now, when I'm a smaller business, I would say $2 million and, and under, I'm probably not going to be able to sell that business for more than four to six times earnings if it's pure play wildlife control and not a lot of recurring. So there's going to be a whole different valuation there. So that means if I'm buying small little businesses or or tuck-ins, which is a, a business that I'm basically just tucking in under my brand under a platform. So that platform meaning a, a, a larger foundational business. So I have a business, let's say in a market that's doing a couple million bucks a year in one city and that, that business that's doing a couple million bucks is acquiring its competitors in that specific city for, you know, two or three times revenue, uh, I can make a good profit on those little businesses if I do it right. That's the whole arbitrage play. It doesn't mean you have to buy and sell in a year. It means that when you do buy, that you know if you had to and, and you could, you would get a good profit from it. So look, that's kind of the whole play here. And you can grow your business very quickly by doing this. There's there's value in a customer base. There's value in the referrals that that customer base provides. There's value in cross-selling other services. And you know we talk about it all the time. If you want to increase the value of your business, you need to sell recurring services. It does not have to be pest control. But if you can increase the number of recurring services that your company offers that is going to drastically increase the value of your business when you want to retire. And and honestly, whether you are thinking about retirement or selling your business or not, it's going to kick out a lot more cash and you're not going to be so dependent on leads and you're not going to be so dependent on salespeople. Um, which is really the driving force of a one-time service business is new sales. So just another way to think about it. A lot of opportunity there. Um, I am going to do a webinar on how we value businesses. I am not an M&A guy. I am not an investment banker. I'm not a broker. I'm just a wildlife control operator that's trying to learn about business and grow my business at the same time. And I've learned a thing or two. So uh, feel free to reach out to us if you're interested in, in attending that webinar. Uh, Kyle at conservemail.com is my email. Uh, hit me up there. And uh, guys, good luck to you out there. It's summertime. I know things sometimes get a little bit slow in some territories. So keep getting after it. And if there's anything I can do to help, please let me know. See ya. Thank you for listening to today's episode. It was brought to you by Conserve, 
Do you run a wildlife removal business and feel like you have no freedom? You're taking the phone calls, you're doing the services, and you just don't have enough free time for yourself. Are you ready to double or triple the size of your company and build a business that can run and grow without you while steadily increasing your profits? Well, Conserve partners with businesses just like yours all over the country, and together we are building a fast-growing business around your goals and lifestyle. We can reduce your operating costs, we can increase your sales, and give you, the owner, more freedom and help you build a business that runs and grows without you. To set up an initial consultation, email us at growth at conservemail.com. That's G-R-O-W-T-H at C-O-N-S-E-R-V-M-A-I-L dot com.